I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Hello and welcome to Brian Moore's Full Contact. Uh, here in association with The Telegraph and QBE Business Insurance, I'm Brian Moore and joining me in the studio is my uh, rugby colleague uh, from the Daily Telegraph, Gavin Mayers. Hello, Gavin. Evening, Brian. Well, we had a final, or two finals that were remarkable and lived up to whatever hype was associated with them, so we'll be going uh, over those uh, with the uh, Queen's Defence coach, Nick Easter, and former Wales star, Michael Owens. Um, later on in the show, we'll be speaking, well, I will be speaking to head coach, head, head coach Eddie Jones in an exclusive interview, and as usual, Eddie... It's fairly forthright, okay. let's say, which is good. Yep. Uh, as London Irish regained promotion on to the Premiership, we've got George uh, Robson. And Nigel Owens is back, as always, to answer your rugby laws questions. We've also got uh, the latest in the QBE uh, team behind the team interviews. And uh, and this week we're talking to the head analyst, uh, Rodri Bowne, which is, uh, which is fascinating. So please stay tuned to that. Uh, remember that every week you can join us here on Facebook Live at 6pm. Just search for Telegraph Sport and you can listen to the whole show live via the Telegraph website. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can never miss an episode and please leave a review. On with the show. Gav, um, we like to uh, take questions at this point. We've got uh, several. Um, Actually, they relate to the finals as well. Uh, Andrew Reynolds, evening. What about a charity shield to start the season between Exeter and Scarlet's respective winners? Um, good yeah. idea in theory. Yes, good idea in theory. At this point, um, I'm not sure the players in the Premiership would be too keen on that. They're not too keen on Premiership Rugby's plans as it is for an 11th month season from yeah. 2019. So, uh, um, yeah, I think when we're looking at the new global calendar, global season... Um, it's complicated are, enough, isn't it? It is a complicated enough issue at the minute. Once that's done and dusted, maybe we could look at this again. But for now, I think uh, yeah. there's enough on the plate of the uh, administrators <laughs> to get to get a season, domestic season thrashed out that everybody uh, can buy into. Yeah. Uh, Chad Wilson, um, after Exeter Chief's success, has the door been shut, stroke, narrowed with changes to promotion from the Championship? This is referring to the... Dropping of playoffs, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in a sense it has because the nature of playoffs means that you can have an upset on the day. Uh, um, A team that wins the league generally is the best team in the league, as we know, over the course of a season. I think the reason why it's been done, because it, in a sense, it's such a big step up from the championship that 
a team that might have finished in fourth place uh, that may not have the facilities. In fact, some of the some of the sides say from the outset that they don't want to be promoted anyway so um, uh, we don't want another London Welsh that comes up unprepared spends too much money recklessly and then ends up going into liquidation and I think there is a sense of um, you could you you could argue that the best team that wins the league should go up and I think that's probably a fair thing I think that's right Um, we've been through this before I mean my my view is that the uh, the promotion and relegation issue between the championship and the premiership should be um, it should be on a two-year, maybe three-year basis so that clubs have the wherewithal to plan, especially when they're coming up. You know, they, they yeah. don't have to... Because effectively what you've got now is you've got a year-on-year scrap where you have to throw everything into every yeah. year. It's just a one-year battle each time to go up and come down. Yeah. And it, similarly, in the in the premiership, you can't really afford, if you start it off and you start badly and you get into trouble, you can't afford to be playing people from your academy to yeah. you know give them experience because yeah. you might lose points and yeah. then you'll be out yeah uh, and, it, and if I, and if it was ring fenced just for each two or three years you, you wouldn't stop clubs coming up you wouldn't stop ambition you just make it a more orderly process all round and you'd stop people having to you know dive in and dive out mm. on a, on a, and one of the things that was said and one of the difficulties is if you're a promoter club you can't sign players until you know you've yeah. gone up yeah so and you can't do it early, you know. If you if you had three, two, three years, you could say, yeah. "Look, we're going up next year, obviously, or yeah. we're yeah. going to be there. Can we yeah. sign?" Yeah. and so on. It's a massive. I think that that is one of the massive plus points of this change that yeah. you can say, if a team maybe by February, March is well clear at the top, they yeah. they 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 can more or less begin to plan. Yes. You don't want to be suddenly start tipping your toe into the transfer market yeah. at the end of May. Yeah. Uh, every, all the business is done and dusted. Yes. you end up buying second rate pros yep. who are maybe not coming to your club for the right reasons uh, yep. and um, and taking the coin and leaving and not maybe having the commitment that you need um, yeah. you and we will talk about yesterday's final Exeter Chiefs sort of the, the ultimate sort of template for yep. a club that did it the right way and came up yeah. and, and seven years yeah. later have now become champions yeah. of England well the the the, uh, the other question we've got Jimmy Nell, oh, that uh, relates to Scarlets. He was talking about how they turned the season round so dramatically. I think we'll leave that one because we've got uh, the uh, the voice of uh, Michael Owens to consider yeah. that, and uh, we'll do that in detail. Well, let's start. Tell you what, um, with the the final itself, another remarkable game. Um, I, I don't think in the end a lot of people say an absolute classic. It was a classic for certain reasons in that. The commitment was full on, and we went all the way through to extra time, and it was very, very close. I think there were probably too many mistakes made by both sides for it to be a classic in quality terms, but in terms of being a yeah. compelling yeah. spectator occasion, it certainly was. Yeah, I mean, I find it utterly compelling. I must say, you're completely right on the sense of the quality. Um, I, I can imagine the Wasps coaching team, they might be reviewing the match right now, will look back and think, oh my goodness, we made so many errors, yes. particularly in the first half. When Exeter, again, were, weren't without without errors themselves, but yeah. they, they won the key collisions, they got themselves yeah. in front with two tries. Yeah. You had the drama of Wasps comeback, and it yeah. looked like they, they were set fair. 17 points unanswered, because at yeah. that point yeah. I remember tweeting saying, 
you know, Exeter need to get grab this momentum back because yeah. otherwise they're going to be buried. Yeah, and they won't come back from. But they're but true to form, they did that, and I think a lot of that was due to the fact that they'd been in this position uh, before against yeah. Saracens and they yeah. hadn't. Yeah, uh, they didn't know what to do, and this time they fought their way back into it because I, I believe that they they had confidence. Yeah, I think and the. The exact point there, Brian, if you listen to what Rob Baxter was saying before kickoff, he felt against Saracens last year, they were too meek. They started the game with too much respect for Saracens. They yep. watched Saracens do their business, yep. got blown away. And actually, uh, although they lost the final comfortably, they came back very strongly in the second yes. half. Yesterday, they started strongly. They got points on the board. Yep. And I think Baxter would have felt, even when Wasps managed to take the lead at the start of the second half, yeah. that they had more to come. Yeah. They had more in the final quarter. And I think ultimately and decisively, they were the team in control in the second half of extra time. Yes. Once it went to extra time, I, I didn't have much doubt that, 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 that the Chiefs would, would carry it. I thought that they, they were the stronger team. You know, Wasp has started to pick up injuries. Wasp to start off, I've got the stats here. Yeah. Had made well three, no, two hundred and ninety nine tackles, one hundred and fourteen. Yeah. So that's it, almost it, three to one, and and it, that's going to take its toll. And it did do. Yeah, and massively, Brand, as you know more than anyone, they had the edge on the scrum. Yes, Wasps had um, unfortunate injury problems. Their yeah. front row, um, almost. I think the first two penalties, they can our first two scrums, they conceded penalties, yeah. which gave extra that field position momentum. Yeah. When you got to the, when you got to players literally on their knees, yes. um, we had Matt Mullen coming back on the pitch, um, and, and, and the thing I loved last night, listening to Die Young talking about, uh, he was, you know, you could see how how hurt he was yes. by seeing the victory snatched from their grasp, but. Somebody asked him the question, you know, did you not consider going down contested scrums, given the problems you had? And he said, that would have been bending the rules. That's not what we're about. And I thought... Yeah, and um, he probably wasn't at Wasp when they got uh, accused of doing that several several seasons in a row <laughs> by the Tiger supporters. Uh, oh, he's on contested scrums again. It must be Wasps. Uh, no, so, I mean, I, I, that, that's pleasing. And, and let's look, let's face it. The move... To the Rico, yeah. What they've done, you, you. I don't care who you are. Even, yeah. even your most die-hard was supporter would never have predicted this. No. And so, on the one hand, yes, it was terrible to have it snatched away. But as a season, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll learn from it. And provided they keep the the players, they probably keep fit. There's no reason why they shouldn't be there or thereabouts. You know, again, and that is. So so different. And they were, they were, let's get this right. They were nearly out of business. They were. They were five years ago, Brian. I was writing stories. I was looking through their bank account details. I think they were down to the last sixty pounds in their in their cash flow. The yeah. players were not getting paid or <sighs> delayed. Yeah. They were losing a th- over three million a year. Um, they were faced with a winding up border. Yeah. Um, and it would have it would have gone and. It, that was even with the threat of relegation. If they'd been relegated, it was definitely all over. Yeah. They avoided relegation then. They were lucky in the sense that Derek Richardson came in with the finances to, to put together a, 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 a takeover that, that at least kept them alive. And then he had the you business acumen. I, there's a parallel here. It may not turn out exactly the same, but 
they interviewed uh, Joe Launchbury, uh, you know, after the final whistle. Yeah. And when all those vultures were circling and they were looking like they go, he was one of the big targets, obviously. Yeah. And he didn't go. And do you remember when uh, there was all this flurry uh, about at the beginning of yeah. the of the transfer markets and yeah. all these things? Yeah. And and a few players went, but Lawrence Delalio didn't go. Yeah. And he turned out to be a mainstay of wasps and, and rightly yeah. fated there. It may well be that Launchbury turns out to a similar sort of figure. I think he's a giant of a man, you know. It, um, it, people, it's interesting, maybe uh, at one stage he's been touted as an England captain and and then it was knocked back. And, and But I think he has really grown as a player. Mm-hmm. He, he's had, you know, his injury problems himself and I think he's realised he, he plays rugby for the next day. He doesn't think about the long-term future. Mm-hmm. He's just delighted to be in the game. Mm-hmm. And he felt... And I, you just, I just love to see that loyalty of players. I think, you know, I, this is where I am. They give me my chance. Um, he, he, at one stage, he, his professional career might never have got off the ground. Wasps bought him in. And um, yesterday, again, after the match, listening to him, he was thinking, you know, we're not the finished product. We're going to keep working. We, we'll be back. We've got to learn from this. And, you know... Well, the, the, I mean, Wasps at the moment, they are too vulnerable um, up front. They, they can get pushed around. You know, in the in the tight, and they can be susceptible to to driving moles, and they they need, I mean they're not far off. No, but you can't have um, an egregious fault like that that other sides can identify so readily. Yeah, you know, with Saracens, for example, and probably Exeter now, you're looking around and you're thinking, can't really see any you know massive weaknesses. There are areas of lesser strength, maybe, but so but you can't have those. Those particular deficiencies, and and they need to do that. Notwithstanding, I mean, the fact Nathan Hughes, I thought was, I know, yeah, and uh, and, and Gopeth as well. Yeah, yeah. They were they had f- phenomenal games. Yeah, no, I mean, you look at you know, the Wasp backline, star-studded. Um, they probably missed Curtly Bale. Um, yeah. I think Cipriani didn't have his best game. Yeah, they just didn't quite click the way they have done. Yeah. They played brilliant rugby all season. I think as well, though, to give Exeter credit, they have sort of got this. Not dissimilar to Saracens in a sense, as a real collective there. Yes, there isn't. Um, you know, you think well, who are their stars? Who you know? Who are their Lions players? Who are their players? Well, um, they've only got one. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so you look, but what what Rob Baxter has done? Um, a little bit like probably the way Wasps were in the in the first decade of the sort of yes. the, the waifs and strays. They've taken players that didn't quite make it. Phil Dolmas being called up for Wales uh, last well, week. Well, what, what is remarkable, I mean, they, they came up, they beat Bristol yeah. to come up in the playoffs, and everyone said they'd go back down. Yeah. They scrapped and they scrapped, and they didn't go back down. Yeah. Everyone expected Bristol, who have had sign- very significant investment, spent a lot of money, yeah. you know, have bought in names, yeah. they've not made it. Yeah. And you actually just slowly carried on marching. I remember watching them at Quinns. Um, that was the year I think that Quinns won... Um, the Premiership, and I remember writing that they are really good at everything you can practice on the training ground. Yeah, you know they were really competent at scrums and lineouts. They were efficient in the breakdown, but they just didn't have that spark. Yeah, to take them further. And I remember saying they're going to have to buy some players in for this. Yeah, and funnily enough, they have bought players in, but not superstar headline names. Yeah, you know the two Ollies, Woodman and Devoto. Yeah, were. You know, they were almost cast aside at Bath. Thomas Waldrum. You Thomas know, Waldrum at, Dunn, at Leicester. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Parling's come in. Same yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And yet they've been tremendous players for Exeter. Yeah. Um, 
you could make and and you could make a case with Devoto for him being the little spot that they they perhaps needed. The back three has provided uh, you know enormous amounts of uh, of penetrative qualities, and uh, given uh, Gareth Steenson, who is one of the well the he real heroes who who's yeah. been there all along, brought them yeah. up. Yeah. You know they they've relied on his acumen and and, yeah. and and his tactical boot, but now he's got more options. You've yeah. seen what a great player he is. Apart yeah, from that, yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, Tony Rowe after the game, I think you you wrote yeah, this yeah. said um, we're we're right on track with our seven year plan, and, <laughs> and we're now we want to be the best team in Europe. Yeah. And I and I wrote for tomorrow. Yeah, I, you know, like all I was saying, well, you know, they may yet confound uh, those who know better yet again. I know, I know. You wouldn't necessarily bet against it, and and for, for the Rob Baxter. And his coaching team, you can't praise him too highly, can and, you? And, and Brian, I think the other thing this season that Rob Baxter has done so well, they, they started quite poorly. People yes, forget, did. I think it was seven defeats from the first seven. Yep. And for the first time, people were thinking, have Exeter's, are they on the way? And have they just not, have they yep. lost that, that sort of, every season they were better than they finished uh, 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 the last season. Um, this start of this season, people wondered, is that still on course? Yeah. And they were able to adjust the way they were playing yeah. during the season and during a wobble and, and, and in a sense, timed their run. I mean, we think they overcame Saracens, the mighty new champions of Europe, yes. in the semi-final. They had to beat Was, who finished top of the pile yeah. in the regular season. Those are two massive, massive wins. Yeah. And those are two, two type of victories that would win you a Champions Cup. Yes. And, and in that sense... Um, Tony Rowe, and, and, and I don't know if you, Baxter's reaction as well immediately after the whistle was, I, I will be disappointed if we don't build on this. And it was a... It was a well, that's a really, that's a really uh, good perspective giver in terms of their, their aims, aren't they? Because they could have got carried away with this, but like he says, it, yes, it will be tremendous if they do it, but it yeah. will not be very good if they yeah. now yeah. Uh, retreat to mid-table. Yeah. Um, you can't see them being relegation candidates for a while yet, but yeah. that's not the point for them, is it? Yeah. You know, that's that, yeah. they, they don't they want, they quite rightly don't want that, and uh, uh, it, it's uh, an old enough organic growth, yeah. Not um, with huge investment, certainly not with salary cap infringement investment, yeah. which you can't say about other people. And I, I think Brian as well, the sad lesson when when people call for the Premiership to be completely ring fenced, we must remember that Exeter is a a yeah. story of how. If you're manage, if a club is managed well, yeah. with good administration, yeah. outstanding coaching, yeah. f- you can organically grow yeah. a club that and I that tell can you what else. Someone. What else you've got to remember when you're remembering that, you've got to remember that the salary cap, however imperfect it is, yeah. um, is there to enable this to happen. Yeah. Because once you go to free for all, yeah. clubs like Exeter yeah. will not get there. Yeah. Yeah. You know the fact is, you, you know, you, in rugby you can't do a Leicester City, yeah, because you can't nick one nil wins. You yeah. can't put, you know, two banks of four, yeah, you know, you know, outside the box and defend. You just get you just get hammered, yeah. You know, you just can't do it in the end. Um, so that's one of the reasons that that's one of the reasons for the bands. And and I, you've got to take your the the extra supports have played there. Yeah, their 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 role in this, haven't they? Yeah. Um, oh, it's brilliant. I mean, yesterday was a carnival. It's been a terrible week. News away from sport. Yes. Yesterday, um, just for a moment, we were able to forget everything and just the sun shone. It was a glorious day. 
Um, I thought both sets of supporters were superb. And there was a lot of neutrals there who enjoyed and like a thrilling process. You know, yeah. thrilling contest, yeah. extra time. We were probably two minutes away from an, <laughs> a, a, a kickoff. Um, well, do you remember that? I mean, they, they've changed the format, yeah. but I remember, I remember w- w- desperately willing. Was it Cardiff and Leicester? Was it? Car- yeah, yeah, yeah. Cardiff, yeah, yeah. To go to a to a, you know, a, a, the, the 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 drop kicking competition because I thought it'd be fun, and then when it actually occurred, and poor old Martin Williams <laughs> oh, missed the kick. <laughs> I felt so sick for him. I thought I never I ever wanted to see yeah, that again, no, and I didn't want to see it this time yeah, either. Even no. though, I think what would have what would have happened? It would have been a limited number of kickers, wouldn't it, mm. from certain mm. parts of the ground? Mm. Uh, but even so, that's that's not that's not the way you want to finish. I know it's not. Things. It's not. And thankfully, you know, we got there. We got a winner uh, in, in 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 normal play, as it were, if not yeah. normal time. And um, I, just just a final point. Cause I think we're coming to the end of this, but. Um, um, J.P. Doyle, who I've given sticking to in the past, and I think quite rightly, actually, frankly, <laughs> um, but he had, a, he had a very good game, and he was right on the last uh, penalty, but a lot of referees might not have given that yeah. because it was right in front of the post. Yeah. Um, he could have carried on going for set after set after set, knowing yeah. knowing that he you know he wouldn't get criticised for that too much. Yeah. Um, but he had the bravery to make a call in that situation, and that's what... That's what we you want, want officials yeah, to do. That's what you want. Yeah. Yeah. In association with QBE Business Insurance, principal partner of the British and Irish Lions. Time now to speak to the uh, former uh, England and Quinns number eight, uh, now the defensive coach at Quinns, Nick Easter. Good evening, Nick. Good evening, Brian. Uh, very quickly, we've been discussing in detail yesterday's final. Um, what we? What was your take on it? I thought it was a cracking game of rugby, like most people. Um, if it goes down to the last three minutes, um, it shows what a strong league the Premiership is. And I think it's in very rude health. And I think, in my opinion, categorically the strongest rugby league in the world. Fair point. Um, you've been at uh, Twickenham today with the uh, England Barbarians. Uh, how? Look, you can never tell with the. Uh, with the barbarians, who what sort of side is going to turn up? Can't do you because sometimes you get players who uh, who just frankly, well, it's not they don't try, but they don't try very hard. Uh, and I then think you've... it's probably more the fact that they enjoy themselves in the week, Brian. Oh, um, no. <laughs> they, they, they certainly got they certainly got their own personal pride to give it all uh, on the day, but uh, concentration levels might waver on occasion. Oh, fair enough. Well, I, what can you take from England's win today then? If anything, I think, well, as you, as you say, it's hard to judge, isn't it? Sort of after the Lord Mayor's show with everything that happened yesterday. But um, look, what you can take is that the pool of talent is very, very deep in English rugby. Yeah. Um, there were some guys there that, you know, if, if you had a full sort of England ranking system, might be fifth, sixth, seventh choice, maybe. But they've made the decision, um, Eddie Jones and his team, to actually look at the youngsters as yeah. opposed to sort of second, third, fourth choice. Um, uh, which has been, you know, debated. You know, why isn't he on tour? Why isn't he on tour? But it's actually, well, actually, let's have a look at these youngsters and see what they're made of and whether actually they can push for places in 2019, given the right backing and a uh, bit of game time. And they showed that today. You know, the Barbars had, you know, good individuals out. They actually 
you know, from watching it, you know, they were well up for it. They, they were getting a little bit niggly with England as well, getting frustrated um, with themselves. And England equipped themselves well, very disciplined, stuck to the game plan and, you know, ran out winners what they usually do in this fixture. Mm-hmm. Nick, it's Gavin Mares here. Um, Hello, Gavin. Yeah, I'm uh, um, just checking Sam Underhill. There was a lot of expectation today to see how he would go. Um, unfortunately, it looks like he came off with a shoulder injury. Did, did, did you see enough today? Um, just wondering what your take on how he got on. Um, yeah, early on, made some you know good defensive hits, good you know low leg tackles. Um, didn't really have a massive impact at the breakdown, but at the beginning of the game, when there's you know a little bit people are fresher legged, there's probably less opportunities. Yeah. Um, the Curry boy, though, he did affect the breakdown, especially did he? later yeah, on in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, massively, and I know that you know both him and his brother. Yeah, um, very very bright futures. But I think Eddie secretly um, will be quite pleased um, with both uh, both those guys and and Sam Underhill because they're the type of player that England actually don't possess, or yeah. he certainly yeah. hasn't given the chance for them, um, or he doesn't feel they're test match, that there are any test match animals out there in that sort of mould. But uh, those guys certainly stuck their hand up and I think he'll be quietly very pleased with that. It's funny because we were with Penny Hill on Thursday and, and he was Eddie was talking about uh, the Curry boys and Underhill thinking that he may have yeah. sort of unearthed, you know, three sort of genuine exactly. open sevens. You know, is that, from what you've seen and when you're looking against, you know, against these guys, would you sort of share that with you, Nick? Yes, I, yes, I would. And, and I'll tell you what, that's going to make a big difference to the game plan that England play as well yeah. over the next few years because it's okay having one. So say, you know, it's just Sam Undill or something like yeah. that. But what if he gets injured and actually yeah. your next, be- next best backups to go with the balance they've had in the back row yes. the last yeah. two years? Yeah. And so what it does is it allows him, you know, you go one, two, three down there and actually you can play the same game. And that's where the game is moving at the moment. You know, it's yeah. very, very more, more and more attritional and you are going to need that backup. Yeah. What about, uh, how did Will Collier go? He did very well. Um, Scrummagine, uh, the England pack's always going to have the ascendancy in these sort of games, but he was yeah. certainly up against you know a heavy pack and good individuals. And uh, Scrum is very, very well. Technically, he's excellent, um, as we know. And I think he's he's been really enjoying his time in camp. Um, I think they've been playing a few ga- you know mind games and everything, testing <laughs> the guys out. Um, they've been beasted quite a bit, which usually doesn't happen <laughs> yeah. towards the end of the season. But... <laughs> These are young guys who have got, you know, fresher legs than the older crew. And um, I think it's right. Well, let's see what you're made of. And um, he'll be pleased to obviously have a game under his belt because ultimately that's what he does. And uh, he scrummaged very well. Um, there wasn't much around the park, especially when the rain came down the yeah. second half. But, uh, you know, he's definitely one for the future. Is, well, I, actually, I was, he's, actually, he's one for the now. Um, I was, I was going to say, Nick, um, Eddie Jones again was 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 really quite interested in Collier, you know, talking about him technically probably the best, I think he said to me, the best body position out, outside of Dan Cole. I mean, f- from for people who may not have seen as much of him as you would know from Will, does, you know, do you think, um, well, obviously you've got Kyle Sinclair as well, but, you know, do, do you think Will could can be one of those players who forces his way through looking towards to Japan in 2019? Definitely. Um, and don't take my word for it. Take Adam Jones and Graham Roundtree, who I work with at Queen. Yeah, yeah. Um, Adam Jones is, is you know, very high of praise of both Kyle and Will. Um, but, you know, seems to think with the nuts and bolts of your game being the most important thing um, at test match level, 
that Will's, you know, extremely suited to that game and yeah. doesn't see any sort of issues in his game that might hold him back. Yeah, I, I spoke to um, to Eddie at uh, uh, length and um, I asked him about a spine the team. You got Mike Brown, uh, George Ford, Danny Kerr. Uh, well, you've got Dylan Hartley available, and um, I'm predicting Nathan Hughes uh, now. And whether or not he'll stick to that core and augment that with the younger players, his view was that to give the young players the right sort of chance and assess them in the right way, you had to play them around uh, a, a number of experienced players. Do you think in, in that all-important spine that he'll be tempted to maybe replicate the thing with Josh Beaumont maybe or or Singleton? Um, it's in an ideal world, you'd like your leaders to be the spine, I suppose, but it doesn't always work that way. And, you know, it, it is a game for all 15. And I think what you'd like to see from this Argentina tour and certainly in the training camp they've had for the last three weeks is people revealing themselves to have the character to be able to lead and yeah. be able to take that responsibility on their shoulders, whichever positions they play, um, and setting the standards and the values for the environment they want to be in really, um, it would, it would help if they are in sort of key decision-making positions because yeah. um, they're going to have a greater influence, um, you know, making the big plays in games, I suppose, and shifting momentum. But, uh, you know, only, only he can tell when he's uh, got his watchful eye on them when they're, um, they're training in games. Well, look, I mean, he'll see them in training, but, I mean, he'll also um, he'll have to see some of them up against Argentina who are a different prospect at home to, uh, to, to away. Um, oh yeah, I mean they played them. They played them last year at the back end of. I can't remember what it was. I remember covering the game um, with Marcello Bosch. He gave a ludicrous figure of how many flying hours and, and on all flights oh, they've yes, done with, yes. the, with the Jaguares. Yeah, and this will be a completely different prospect. Um, there'll be a much fresher. Uh, it's a hell of a place to play. It's a great, great atmosphere. Um, proper cauldron of rugby wherever you go in Argentina. Because they're playing these and, games uh, away from Buenos Aires, aren't they, I think? They're playing them in the outlying districts, which is a lot more hostile. It is a lot I more find out. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I remember playing in Salta in 2009 and <laughs> it was brilliant. Uh, it was in, you know, it was on the, uh, you know, in the sort of thin air, the high felt sort of atmosphere yeah. as well. And, it was quite alien to sort of a, a similar sort of side. It was during the Lions tour, you know, you had a sort of guys making their debut or very few caps. And uh, look, I, th I think they're better equipped England now. Um, I think mentally they're much tougher. They got an edge, and it's sink or swim time. But mm -hmm. they will be a very different prospect. And I think if England if England win the series, it's it's a cracking achievement. Um, given where Argentina are with their rugby in terms of where they are in the season and um, you know playing at home. Uh, the because the, the, I was asking Eddie what do you want out of this and he obviously said well, well, I want the series win 2-0 but then he, he said uh, I asked him about his assessment that he got 75% of his uh, squad were likely now identified to go to Japan he was looking for the extra 25% and who would force a way uh, through there but I, I, I reckon you know you're looking for two, three players, ideally, in every position to be generally competitive. Out of the ones you see, if they go as, as they might do, is there a realistic prospect that he'll get that for, for Japan, do you reckon? Yes, I think the, you know, the three guys we mentioned before, um, you know, however many he takes, 
uh, you know, along the lines of what you're talking about, leadership, he'll be looking for a lot more of Nathan Hughes. Yeah. Um, again, similar, you know, similar type player. I know he's got different strengths um, to Billy, but he was brilliant yesterday in the final. Probably the best game he's played all season, actually. Yeah. He'll be looking for more of him. You know, now he's got a Six Nations under his belt. You know, Chris Robshaw, Mike Brown, those sort of guys, he knows about them. Um, but he will be looking to unearth some, you know, just some competitors, basically. Yep. Guys that will, in hostile and difficult, in hostile environments, difficult situations, pressure situations, I'd imagine they'll be under a lot more pressure um, in Argentina than they used to in the last in the last year season or year, um, given the lack of experience more than anything else. Yeah. And um, he'll be you know, trying to find out a lot about those individuals. And I think deep down, that's what he's looking for. Um, yeah. You know, the world record test wins, you know, got stopped in Ireland, didn't it? So he hasn't got any sort of records to chase, but he'll be keeping a close watchful eye on, you know, one or two individuals and others might surprise him. Right, Nick. Um, thank you very much. Uh, you, uh, do you, when, do you st- when do you step away from the, uh, the plane side? Do you get a holiday now? Sorry, sir. Do you get, oh, a, ho- yeah, yeah, do you get yeah. a holiday now? Oh, yeah, no, we're on holiday, yeah. We're on holiday. <laughs> um, been on holiday, this is the third week of it. Got oh. another two, and then, the, and then they're back in pre-season. But it holds a different prospect pre-season when you're a coach as a tour player. Yeah. <laughs> a, a much better one. It's, we, call it, we call it the honeymoon period, the pre-season. There's no games to get stressed about or, you know, having, having to rely on results and the end outcome and everything. It's sort of actually just get out there on a training paddock and... Uh, Mate, well, the great thing the about you... The boys are doing the work. The great thing about you is we, we know that you'll be able to enjoy yourself. Yes, you know, that's, that's part of life. That's Top part of life. Thanks very much, Thanks, Nick. Nick. Cheers, mate. Cheers, guys. Have a good Thanks, summer. Mate. Ta-ra, mate. And you. Right, uh, we can now speak, I think, to the man who refereed the Pro 12 final, which was uh, another tremendous game um, that, d- that didn't turn out at all like I, I thought it was going to do. Uh, speak to Nigel Owens again. Nigel, good evening. Brian, good evening. How are you? Uh, okay. Um, Good man. Just well, well, we'll not talk specifically about anything that came out of the uh, refereeing of the the final, but uh, what was the atmosphere like? It was very good, actually. There was about forty-four and a half thousand there, which, which, which you know, which is which is a very record crowd for a twelve mm-hmm. final as well, which 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 was great. Um, considering as well, you know, that you know one country has to travel to yeah. to another country, and like it was in Edinburgh last year when you were two Irish sides in, in yeah. the final in Leinster and Connor. But yet again, there was about thirty six thousand there last year in a great atmosphere. Yeah. So yeah, there was was a wonderful, really good atmosphere there. And um, could you hear the Scarlets fans? Uh, yes, you could. Yeah, you could hear them. I could hear uh, "Bread of Heaven" being sung a couple of times around there, and um, especially when they sort of scored those two or three tries first half, and sort of you know, when still sort of fans were a bit quiet. Then I guess yeah. when um, when they sort of you know we were down by twenty points, a bit of shock, I suppose, to them. And yeah. um, as you as you said yourself, there it was just quite a different game to what I was expecting. To be honest, when you yeah. do your match preparation, you don't sort of really, I don't really think too much of what the game is going to turn out like to be because. Um, Sometimes if you go into a game with any preconceived ideas or prepare for a certain type of game and then it's a total different game and then you can get caught out um, yeah. and, you know, you referee something that's that's not there. So I yeah. always sort of go in with an open mind and just referee what's in front of me. But the way the weather was and everything yesterday in, in Dublin, especially until about an hour or two before the kickoff, it had been really heavy downpours of rain all day. You know, it was, uh, you're expecting a different type of game. But uh, in all fairness to the both sides, they went out there and, and played some great rugby and the both teams contributed to... Uh, to a very, very exciting and, and wonderful final, which was a was a credit to both teams and, and a credit to the Pro 12 as well. And it was great to be a, a part of it. You know, a small part of it, but a, but a part of it. Uh, I'm, I'm Nigel Gavin here. Just, just Hi, Gavin. Uh, but, um, 
I've sort of for the sort of Lions had on. Um, Jonathan Davies seemed to be really back to to form. It was a, a big big match for him. Yeah, he was, and he played very well. Um, and he's been playing well for a while, actually. Um, I was, um, funnily enough, I was in. Uh, I've been into a Welsh squad session before the the season was starting, and with the Six Nations with with, with Wales, uh, you know, refereeing a couple of things, going through a couple of things with him, and uh, you could see then he was a guy who was under a bit of pressure to perform because yeah, yeah. you know he probably hadn't had his best season till till then. Um, yeah. But then, you know. He just gone out there and enjoyed it, and, and during the Six Nations, and now the latter part of the season and yesterday, he's really, really is finding uh, some some great form, you know, and uh, he shall he'll really be in contention, I think, for a, for a lion spot when yeah. he comes up in, in in a couple of weeks' and time for sure. I would did think. you get that sense from him, Nigel? You know, w- w- when you were with him, that 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 things would click, that that uh, you know that, that he's going to peak at the right time, I guess. Yeah, so I think yeah, you know, it's just it's, it's impossible for you really to you know you you can't. You can't referee at your best, and you can't play at your best week in, week out. Yes. Every game throughout the season, there's going to be little peaks and troughs. You know, sometimes it's just a one-off game, and then you're you're back to your best the following week. Um, and sometimes there's a couple of games, or a couple of weeks, or even a couple of months. Sometimes where you sort of, you know, you you're in that dip of form for whatever reasons. But you know what they say, you know, the, the class is permanent, and. Uh, yeah. He certainly showed his class uh, there yesterday, uh, along with a few other players as well. And yeah, you know, let's let, you know, let's hope that they'll they'll hit a bit of form now, and it'll be a great series out there. I hope. Nigel, a, a couple of uh, um, law issues. Um, the, 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 it happened again, and in fact, it's happened. It happens nearly every game, um, and players and, and spectators especially get this wrong about people screaming. You've got to let the player up. You know, a man's on the ground. He drops on the ball. Um, Players are now starting to stay down quite a long, you know, quite a long time before they get on the feet again. They're not supposed to do that, are they? No, they're not. Um, when when a tackle takes place, the, the player who remains on his feet and is still part of that tackle, so he's he's in contact with the guy who's been tackled on the floor. He must release the guy on the floor and then regather if he wants to get possession or try win possession on that ball. In open play, it's it's, it's a very different law. In open play, if the ball is kicked and a player goes down on the ground to receive that, that ball, mm-hmm. a player then who is chasing up on him, the only thing he can't do is he cannot prevent that player getting up or diving yeah. on that player on the ground. So once he's on his feet over that guy on the floor, he has the rights to that ball. If the player who's gone down on the ground remains on the ground and does not come up or yep. prevents him having the ball, then the penalty goes to, to the guy who's on his feet. So, you yeah, see, no, you're, you're quite right. So what, the guy so, who's chasing, yeah. as long as he doesn't dive on the guy on the floor, he doesn't have to let him yeah, but what, pick it what, up before what, he plays the ball. As you, as you know, what happens is, because players obviously don't realise what they're supposed to be doing, because they quite often now let him get up. When the better thing to do, if they're in close proximity, the best thing to do would be to put one foot on the other side of him, astride him, and just put the hands on the ball and try and take it off him. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that would be the best thing. You, you, you do yeah. that and get possession of the ball. And, and if he doesn't give it you, then it's a penalty. It then. Yeah. And, and Nigel, how long do you give the player to get up? Because a lot of them will, will go to ground deliberately to sort of give them a, a second or two yeah. to, to get let their defenders get back and get a good body position. Yeah, I, it depends. It would be difficult to say there's a certain time to it because there isn't. Yeah. And also as well, you would take into account, so if I was to tell you, look, I'll give a player two or three seconds. Yeah. If there was no 
opposition player anywhere near him and he stays down yeah. for four or five seconds, there's no opposition player near him to play that ball, then you're not going to penalise that guy in the floor because yeah. he's, he's not doing or yeah. preventing anything. Yeah. So there would be a couple of seconds longer, possibly. But I would say, you know, once he goes down on that, on the, on the floor, he must then sort of immediately make the effort to come yes. up with as a player who's... It who depends on the, the proximity, so doesn't it? Seconds, it depends say. on the proximity of the defender. The Sorry, clo- the, it depends on the proximity of the defender. The closer he is, the less time you give the guy on the floor. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And I suppose, Nigel, you sort of look for a, a player who is, you know, milking it a bit. You've you got a sense of he's, he's not getting up for a reason. Yeah. The other, the other thing here as well... It, he doesn't have to get up because if he wants to go down a sort of, he gets down on the ball and then he, he sort of makes, he, he doesn't hold the ball there, but he makes the ball available and then he, he lets a ruck form over him or one of his players yeah. comes in over him or another attacking player comes in and then you, you have a ruck form then. Yeah. So he, he doesn't have to get up, but once he's down there on that ball, once a player is over him, he must either let the ball go or not sort of crouch around the player yeah. who's on his feet, or crouch around the ball, preventing the player on yeah. his feet from getting that ball. So he doesn't really have to get up, but he cannot prevent the guy on the on his feet winning possession of that ball. Uh, just, just finally, we, we, just to clarify this, absolutely. When you say the defender, or so this is the guy who is chasing the ball. Um, uh, sorry, the attacking player who's chasing the ball. He sees the man go down, the defender. Um, would you class standing astride him? So he could, well, literally, you know, if he tried to get up, he'd sort of only get halfway up. Would you class that as preventing him getting up or not? If he is astride him and trying to play the ball? Cause no, the other... because you were over him then. Fair enough. Trying to play the ball. Okay. There's a difference of, of when you... The penalty should be when the when the chasing player dives on the player on the ground. That yes. that is what the penalty is yes. for, and that's what it yes. should be given for, really. Fair enough. Okay, Nigel, um, thank you very much for clearing that up. Um, have you got? You must have a rest now for a while. Well, I got a rest this weekend, Brian. I got this weekend off, but then I fly out to Argentina on uh, a yes. week week tomorrow to to rest the first England Test, oh. um, and then I'm on touch for the second. And I fly home, and then it'll be uh, feet up for a few weeks, then and, and watch the the Lions test. Are you uh, are you a carnivore? I love the meat out there. I absolutely. <laughs> love that's it, yeah. why I, I ask. We all, we both know how good it is out there. Nigel, um, thank you very much. Um, have a have a safe time out there. We'll speak to you again soon. Cheers, pleasure, both. Thanks, Thanks Nigel. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bye bye. Right, I'm very pleased to say that I can now speak to the England coach Eddie Jones, who's taking time out of his busy schedule preparing for the game against the Barbarians, and also for the tour to Argentina. Uh, Eddie, good afternoon. Hi, Brian. Uh, OK, mate. Where do you reckon England are at the end of this season prior to going on tour? Yeah, well, I think we're going in the right direction, mate. Uh, I think yeah, our record suggests we've, uh, we've done reasonably well. We're, we're bringing some good players through. We're getting some depth. We're getting some competition, which we didn't have. To start with, and I think that you know, there's there's still plenty of work to do. But two years out from a World Cup, we're in a positive position. Um, Argentina, not necessarily the easiest place to tour, uh, certainly on paper. What specific challenges do you anticipate? Well, we're playing in quite remote areas, uh, I'm sure, by purpose, which is good because again, the players will be tested. We'll have to adapt. 
and it's a, it's a, it's good practice for Japan. You know, everyone thinks the World Cup in Japan is going to be terrific because Japan's a nice, clean, civilized country. But you know, it is going to be a hard World Cup because they haven't had a World Cup before, and they're not used to having rugby teams. Mm-hmm. So it will be quite difficult. So I'm looking forward to seeing how our young guys adapt in Argentina. And then the second thing, as you'd know, playing against Argentina, yeah, they're they're a very passionate team, and particularly when they're playing at home, they tend to have very high emotions. They tend to be very physical, play right on the edge of the, the, the law, so we're going to need to be at our best, particularly in the first 20 minutes of games. You've got uh, a number of people who are quite understandably not very pleased at not being picked as Lions. Uh, what are you expecting from them? Uh, stump up, mate. You know, I think if you haven't been picked in the Lions, there's 41 players go. There's something in your game that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can be angry, but you've got to do something about it and, and make sure you work at your game to improve it and make sure that if the Lions side was picked in 12 months, side they wouldn't have second thoughts about picking it. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the spine of the team, actually, the traditional spine of the team, 15, 10, 9, 8 and 2. You've got, I mean, you've got Brown, Ford, Kerr, Hughes, Haskell, Hartley available. Um, is it tempting for you to, to, to play that and then play everyone around it? Or will you, might you be looking in the tests to see whether some of the young players could step into those pivotal roles? Yeah, I think you know, when you're playing young guys, and we'd like to play some young guys if they're good enough, you, to give them the best experience, you need to have experienced guys with them. Mm-hmm. I think you throw all young guys in together, it's, it's very difficult. So we're definitely looking at a blend of keeping experienced guys to give the team uh, solidity and then bring in some young guys around them. You've uh, mentioned that uh, 75% of the final uh, squad that finished the Six Nations is likely to be in the World Cup and you're looking for the 25%. Does it matter to you or where are you looking for those from? Are you looking from uh, completely new players, players like uh, the Curry brothers and, and others like that, or are you looking for people like Marlon Yard who uh, you know, has been there or thereabouts that you know about already but maybe want to advance? Uh, well, a combination of it. You know, if you look at... If you look at uh, New Zealand in 2015, that Milner uh, Scudner came from absolutely nowhere. You mm-hmm. know, he was playing touch football 12 months before that. Um, so they weren't counting on him coming through. So, you know, ideally in a, in a World Cup cycle, you know, one or two years out, you get one or two players that weren't on the radar come yep. through and they give you something different. And they go to the World Cup and no one's seen them much, so they give you a bit of a... A competitive edge. What about um, individual positions? Because in, in in some places, like Locke, you've got an embarrassment of talent, to be honest. And in other places, you're thinner uh, than you'd like to be. What, what sort of what sort of positions ideally do you want players to come through in? Uh, well, I'd like some bigger backs to come through. Um, yeah, I think I've documented it pretty well. We've got very small backs at the mm-hmm. moment. We gave Australia eight k's per man when we played them in November. And that's, and I'm not saying we have to have a back line full of big players, but we need a few bigger guys in there. So, mm-hmm. you know, one, one winger and one centre to come through would be fantastic, mate. We've uh, 
been looking well historically England have always had you know good classic number sevens and we had a discussion about this what's your view on still looking for the classic opening side uh, well I think if they're good enough uh, definitely and we've got Underhill and and the two Curry boys Ben and Tom coming through now um, yeah Underhill's 21 he's done well for the Ospreys he's a He's a very handy player, and I think he'll acquit himself well. And Ben and Tom Curry are quite exciting prospects, both 18. Uh, yeah, physically very mature, uh, have worked hard on their bodies and have got a real determination about about themselves, which, uh, which should bring them forward fairly quickly. So I'm anticipating one of those boys to come through. You've... Um... You've obviously lost a lot of players to the Lions, and I, I suppose in a lot of ways that's a compliment to them and uh, you. You beat the All Blacks five times in your first tenure, I think, as, um, or was it six, um, as Australia, Australian manager. What, what do you think the Lions will do? How do you think they're going to go? Uh, I think it's going to be very tough for them, mate. Uh, I think they've picked a certain style of team based on, on the on the influence of the Welsh coaches. Um, so I think they're looking to attack like Wales. You know, big, big gain line runners uh, with, with not much ball movement. And I think that you struggle to beat the All Blacks like that. You know, you've got to... You've got to the All Blacks is not only a physical contest, it's a big mental contest. You've got to be very disciplined in the way you play. You've got to chip away at them. You've got to keep the pressure on. You've got to exert pressure in areas that they don't like, which is traditionally, you know, the close set piece plays and then have the ability when you create opportunities to turn that into points. Um, you know, Ireland did it really well. Yeah. And uh, I think the Lions are going to, are going to struggle. Um, look, if they win the first test in the series, if they don't, you know, I think it might be a tough old series for them. And how does that um, approach differ to the one you're trying to... Um, horn down for England? Or well, philosophically, you know, Wales play much differently to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're, they're concerned about width, they're concerned about uh, having a system of their play. Um, you know, we're trying to play much more with our eyes open, much more about reading the defence and reading the speed of the ball and then having players organised enough to be in position to take those opportunities and generally rather than trying to get around defences, play through defences. <laughs> Look, you're not in charge of the uh, the fixtures uh, and they've fallen as, as they do. Would you have preferred to play uh, the All Blacks more than once before you get there? Yeah, mate, I'd love to play them every... Once a month would be good. <laughs> yeah. The more you play against the best team, the more you learn where you need to improve. And they're the best team in the world. Um, and until you play them, you never know where the gaps are, what you need to work on, or where you're better than they are. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's disappointing, but we don't we don't control that, mate. Um, the CEO has gone, Ian Ritchie. Is that going to make any difference to you? Uh, well, you never know, mate. Uh, he, he's, I've had a good relationship with him. He obviously signed me, and, and whenever you've got a new CEO who hasn't signed you, you never know what's going to happen. It could be very positive or it could be very negative, so we'll just wait and see. 
I wasn't suggesting you were, but for the chop, I haven't heard anything, by the way. It's not, uh, it's not, it's not around the corner. Anyway. Uh, what, is always paranoid. <laughs> what is, uh, what is going to be acceptable as a return from the Argentinian uh, trip? Uh, we want to win 2-0, mate. Yeah, yeah. I don't think uh, any underneath that uh, will be disappointed and, and the players understand that uh, and we'll get on, we'll prepare well and we'll go hard, mate. We'll work hard. And uh, unearthing one or two gems would be a bonus. Oh, it'd be a massive, mate. It'd be absolutely massive. Eddie, good luck, mate. Um, I'll speak to you again soon, and thank you very much. OK, and good luck to you, Brian. Thanks, che- mate. Cheers, mate. Thank Cheers, you, Eddie. Bye-bye. Cheers. Interesting, Gav. He's always good value, isn't he, Eddie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, quite disconcerting as an interviewer because... You line a set of questions up that you think will take about 15, 20 minutes. And all of a sudden, you find you're at the end and you've only done seven minutes because you answered them <laughs> properly, but very succinctly. It's quite disconcerting. And sometimes you never know where it's going to go either. The, in contrast to that, you yeah. can start with a, a, what you think is an agenda and it, it ends up somewhere very different. Yeah. OK, right, now time to discuss uh, in a lot more detail the magnificent, and it was magnificent, win by the Scarlets in the Pro 12 final. Well, it wasn't at Munster, but it was in Ireland, uh, in Dublin. They won 46-22, and that score does not flatter them in the way they played. Uh, Michael Owen, the former Welsh star we've got. Michael, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I thought uh, the Scarlets were absolutely superb. It was, um, and to back up the victory against Leinster in the semi-final, we win in, like you say, away. Uh, to Munster in the final was uh, was absolutely exceptional, and the, the manner in which they did it was uh, was a real testament to the work that they've been doing all season. Now, if you'd have been a seasoned Pro 12 watcher and Scarlets fan, you probably might have said, "Well, look, we th- we saw this coming quite a while ago," but a lot of people didn't. No, definitely. I think, like like I say, Snatchley have been building away, building and building um, over the years, and you look at the, the team they put out there. Um, and they got some really like excellent players, and and just the style in which they played as well. And they just looked they looked like they could score every time they had the ball, really. And um, I think when you've got a team that can do that, you're always going to be in with a with a chance of winning matches. And Munster like the best defence in uh, in the league, and Llanelli just took them apart. Michael, it's Gavin Mayers here. Um, I was just going to suggest ask you the the manner that 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 won that match. Um, the reaction sort of to the success of Triumph has been to sort of say this could be a way that, that, that Wales could play the game. Do you think that's sort of set the market to a really ambitious, you know, young coaching team with Stephen Jones and, and things in, in that, that team? It, it, do you think that that could be a, a, a lift or a sort of give some sort of sense of direction to the well, the Wales game plan? Yeah, I think pe- people Wales get a lot of stick for like, not attacking as well as they, as they maybe should. But yeah. like, international rugby is a, is a different uh, kettle of fish as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's a yeah. lot more yeah. pressure and a lot more, it's a lot more difficult to sort of open up as, as Lanetti did. But certainly they've got the players. And I think what, what Wales probably needed to do, if you look at the last six nations, I think it's like taking their chances when they come. And I think Lanetti, like conversion rate, if you like, so when they get a line break, how many times they finish it off and the number of players that are there in support. I think that's certainly something Wales could learn from. I think I don't think Wales' attack is like is a is a, is a disaster. It's just no, it's, yeah, it's, no, yeah. It's I'm, just they yeah, just need yeah. to like get better at, uh, at finishing their chances, and they could certainly learn from Slashley and maybe have a look at what they are doing and see if he can can replicate some of the things that um, that uh, Slashley did in that final. Because like I said, they were really clinical. 
um, and he just looked dangerous every time every time he had the ball. And you must have been delighted with Jonathan Davies as well to look look, look back to his best. Yeah, he looked fantastic, didn't he? I think he, looked, he just he's one of those players I think as well. He just he sort of does the right thing at the right time, and he makes good decisions in attack, good decisions in defence. Um, and, and he did look he looked fantastic yesterday, and it's, uh, it's obviously really good for the Lions because that sort of yeah. outside backs is going to yeah. be a real real key challenge against New Zealand. And if Jonathan Davis is on that sort of form, he's he, he's capable of uh, of matching and maybe even better in uh, the All Blacks players in those positions. Uh, one of the players who is a favourite of mine. Um, He's both for both for his, uh, his his region and for Wales. Liam Williams. Now he is leaving. Uh, he's going uh, to Saracens. Uh, how much will they miss him? Yeah, they miss him massively. One day he's a, he's a, obviously he's a like real good strike runner, and I think as as, as time goes on and he's performed um, at a really high level for sort of three, four, five years, mm-hmm. he become like uh, a really sort of key figure and one of the players like. This, Identify people identify the Scar- Liam Williams with the Scarlets, and he becomes like a real key player. So he'll be a he'll be a massive loss as he's moving into his uh, his prime years, if you like. Um, but hopefully, he can actually kind of earth, earth some other gems. You've got someone like Steph Evans, who I thought was absolutely exceptional in the, the semi final, and then uh, and again in the final as well. So it's just they've got good players there as well. So it's just hopefully gives um, a chance for someone else to, to to get blooded by the Scarlets and come through and and take on the mantle of Liam Williams. Um, and Michael, what what do you think that that Liam Williams will sort of bring to the Saracens squad, or, or the, the the extra attacking dimension that he will bring? Yeah, he's a fantastic player, isn't he? He's got he's a sort of like uh, he can do everything in the back three. He's good under the high ball. He kicks pretty well. He's a he's a good runner, a good defender. He's, he's just going to give him uh, another dimension. And you sort of you're talking having those those top players. They probably like maybe two or three percent better. And they make better decisions all the time than the players who maybe. Uh, just underneath that, that sort of range, and Liam Williams has certainly proven himself to be like a world-class performer. So, if he can uh, come back from the Lions tour, and if uh, it goes well for him, he could come back as a as a genuinely world-class uh, player. Yeah, I I I don't know Liam Williams at all, but it seems to me that he's got a bit, he's got a bit of dog about him, and he's got you know he's got a bit of you know personality outside just being your stereotypical rugby player who's. Who's come up and never thought about anything else? He seems to me to have a bit more uh, of um, about him. Is, yeah, is that definitely. Fair? And he's he's fearless as well, isn't he? I think that's one of been one of the real features of his game. He he gets the ball and he, he's prepared to take anyone on. And um, he does. He certainly. Put, I can see what you're saying about his personality. He puts his personality sort of on the team and that, yeah. that ethic and um, work rate is certainly something that, that shines through with him. I think um, yeah, he's a, he's been a great servant to the Scarlet, and I certainly will miss him. And Michael, looking at the Lions, um, do you think there's a realistic chance he's going to be looking to force a place into the back three? I'm just wondering where you think he might be best placed um, in the back three and just how realistic are his chances on this kind of form? Yeah, I think he's got a great chance and he's playing well. He's obviously finished the season with some silverware, so he'll be going going to the tour like feeling really confident. He had a great tour for Wales uh, last year yeah. out in New Zealand against the All Blacks. So there's lots of things going in his favour. I think those, I guess, the first four games really for the Lions now is going to decide like what the Test match lineup is going to be because you're going to be looking at people who are in form. I think like that's what the back three is hugely competitive. I think you could probably you could probably pick uh, a three at the minute, but then I, th- I think that could change because there's not much between the players. It's not really yeah, like right. massively standout players who, who are almost certainly going to play. I think there's a real. Uh, Really, really competitive, and like, I think the Lions have got a they've got a good squad all round. And then it's just it's going to be those first four games are going to go a long way towards deciding uh, who the who the test starters are.
Uh, from a Welsh point of view, um, yeah, I mean, it's difficult for the players I'm going to mention because you've got, you know, some of the best Welsh players in the back row, Tipperick, uh, Warburton, uh, Faletel, but then you get players like Shingler, who was tremendous yesterday, and then Davis, who's continued his seventh yeah. form was in, in a 15s game. It could only be good for Wales. Yeah, yeah, it's really good when you're looking at, like you say, when you're looking at Atlantic, yeah, there's not, like, it's quite a few boys who are not in the, in the Welsh setup at the minute who are, like, coming through and looking really strong. And Gareth Davis has scrum out, obviously, he's, like, he's been back up to Reese uh, Webb, but he looks like a fantastic, he's a fantastic player, he looks like he can score a try uh, with nothing. And, um, like I say, Steph Evans was really impressive, and, like, and the back row guys as well, Shingo and, and James Davis, have been absolutely outstanding these last couple of weeks, haven't they, for the... Yeah. For the Scarlet, so it is all of a sudden. West Rugby's looking like it's got a, a good bit of depth there, which is obviously really encouraging for that uh, the future and the continued competitiveness of Wales. Yes, and, and just just for, finally, I did, everyone has been waiting for this form to be replicated in Europe, and that's the big test now, isn't it? You know, for, for Scarlet, say it's all right, we're all doing it in the Pro 12. It's a tremendous achievement, but now it's time to step up and. Uh, you know, mix it and, and and do well in Europe. Yeah, I think teams evolve, don't they? And I think you you see like year on year they they, they do different things. And I think though, to, like I say, to where this start of uh, when I came on, saying about to beat Leinster away in a semi final with fourteen men and not really look like they were in any trouble yeah. was an incredible performance. And to back that up with Manchester again in a similar sort of uh, circumstances going out to Ireland, I think it'll just give them tremendous confidence. And I think when they go into Europe next year. I think they really fancy the chances, and I think that can make a big difference. You can go into Europe and think, oh, we, we, hopefully we can we can do okay, or you go there thinking, right, we're going into this tournament to to try to try and win it. And I think Clancy, in, in the like their recent performances, they have to do that. And obviously the Scarlet, they, they drew with um, Saracens as well. Um, it's obviously one of the only teams to do so over the last two years in Europe. So I think that will give them confidence. And those little things can sort of help a squad to evolve. And um, the, the Scarlet, if they can like maybe get a couple of good recruits. Uh, over the summer, and maybe they could they could, could be a threat in Europe as well. I certainly think they've got the, the potential to be to, to do that. Michael, tremendous as always. Thank you very much, mate. Cheers, Brian. Thanks, Bye. Michael. Bye. We were discussing, uh, Gav, earlier on um, the championship and the relevance and the sort of wherewithal of the premiership. We can now speak to the London Irish coach, player, uh, George Robson. Uh, if you think George is there, there, George. I am Brian. That's that's a nice promotion you just given. Oh, me. I know. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but great, great, great to speak to a Harlequins legend, Brian. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right, mate. Look, uh, in the end, um, you were well worth the the victory. I think. Was there any point at which you thought it was going to go wrong? In the actual game itself. Yes. Okay. So. I, for a moment, yeah, there was a little bit of uh, squeaky bum time, I suppose you'd call it. Um, uh, but then we were quite, I mean, we I'd forgotten about the 11-point aggregate lead we had from the week before. <laughs> yeah, that, that was I was never, maths was never my strongest, uh, you know, strongest sort of uh, card to play, so to speak. So, I mean, <laughs> look, I think the, the thing about the system is it's, uh, they're finishing it now. Yes. Um, and I, I, I tweeted the other day and I was thinking about it afterwards. Whoever invented it, I think they must come from reality television because <laughs> it makes way. great viewing, right? Yeah. Um, whether it's the fairest system, I don't think it is because I think 
you know, it's, it's a, I was chatting to, to a couple of couple of friends, some guys at London Irish, some guys who've, who've been in the championship as, the, you know, the top team as well. Yeah. And we were sort of making the observation that, you know, you go through the season, you go through the season all the way through, you win, and you never really win, if that makes sense, when you're, no, when you're sort you of top of the pile. Yeah. Uh, and when you win, you, you should have won by more. You know, every team you play against sort of goes, well, you could have beaten you. And and then even when we've won now, you know, the, the, obviously fantastic to get the promotion. You know, you'd have seen the, the, the game, you know, in that second half. Even then, it you know, we managed to get through and we've yeah. won. Um, but it's such a strange competition in the format that it's currently yeah. at. So I think it's great that they've gone back to sort of first past yeah. the post. When, um, when, when I was told, there's a number of players who've been there before there are there are named people as experienced, but you know my feeling, and this may be a, um, the consequence of playing in that league, but you know Irish made a number of of errors which um, they they coped with because that's the way it is in the championship. Which if they make those in 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 the Premiership, they won't get away with it. Now, uh, I totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, I think if you look at the, I, I, I think if you look at. Um, uh, the way that the you know those sort of basic things, and I don't know, it was it's such a strange um, place to be in when one team in a final has re- really has got not much to lose. They can yeah. go out and have a go, uh, and to be fair to Yorkshire, that's what they sort of did. They came out, had a go. There's literally no pressure on them, uh, and the pressure's all, all sort of one-sided. And I totally agree with what you say as well. In, in that, if you make the same errors that, the, that you know we made on the, on that. Um, in that game, then yeah, hundred percent you get you get punished in in the Premiership. Um, but I also think that when you're in those games, I think people learn pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And if you don't learn pretty quickly, I think we've seen uh, you won't last long in the Premiership, and everyone knows that. And I think the good thing at London Irish is that the guys that they've got there for next year, they appreciate that as well. The coaches know that, so they'll be working hard to make sure that that, that you know people are used to performing under a lot of pressure. And like you say, it could be a product of the fact that you play what appears to be the longest pre-season in the yes. world yes. with not much, you know, do you know what I mean? You're playing teams no, where there's a big mean. golf in, 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 in talent, yeah. you know, being yeah. totally blunt about it. Yeah. And then you come to this sort of knockout game and it's just suddenly it's suddenly ramped up. Um, it's something we spoke about as, as a playing squad. Um, and we got through and it was it was all good. We should have got through. Uh, but I, I, I do agree. And I watched the, the final yesterday, as I'm sure everyone everyone here has and I mean wow what yeah. a what a different sort of game you look at you know the physicality the yes. accuracy um, so there's no there's no illusions I don't think anyone anyone at London Irish that's there next year is going to be under any illusions that it's going to be easy um, but I think you know with, with Brendan and, and Kendo in charge I'm sure they'll be doing all the work they can to make sure they're in the best possible position to, to, to crack on George Gavin Mayer is here I'm, I'm just wondering talking about that final yesterday Exeter Winning out seven years on from 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 getting up themselves, you know, does that sort of performance, does that sort of journey give London Irish hope that um, you really, you know, the, the the dream is still there that you can sort of it, it doesn't have to be an up down yo yo situation with the team coming up. Oh, Gavin, yeah, no, I I uh, I, I totally um, I, I think I think the reality is, again, I was speaking to someone who, who's played at um, Exeter. And they're, they're telling me about um, Rob Baxter about how when they lose the games because they're going to lose games, don't be too hard on themselves. Yeah. And when they win the games, don't get too too excited about things. And that yeah. was in the early years there. Yeah. Um, I think the the strength that Extra have got now, 
everyone talks about the playing squad and the depth of the squad and there's an element of financial backing that comes with that Yes. Uh, and I think they've got that and I think that's provided that Irish can make it a sustainable business plan that Brentford move goes ahead yeah. the money comes in the fan base then you know then yeah I don't see any reason why they can't you know go on to push on I think the, the, the guys they've got brilliant I think the coaches are fantastic um, and and when you get to that sort of top four area the recruitment really comes in doesn't it so yes, yeah. you know what do you need for that cash yeah. so you know well, that's 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 ultimately yeah, yeah. I, I see see what you know get that a bit on top keep the stuff they're doing already then brilliant well I, I know the uh, the power day boys uh, quite well actually um, oh is there something you need to tell us uh, no 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 no, no 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 <laughs> no I know them quite well and, and I know that they are very realistic and they they, they, they have uh, big big plans I'm not sure uh, but about the ex- minutiae of the finances but the uh, the move I know should it should be for, I mean if you can if that if that can become they should never really have moved away from where they were exactly they should, they should the never have moved the away uh, they should never have, have have become greedy and made a different planning application not understand it was it was a comedy of errors mm. uh, but being back in West London is 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 a big thing for them I think that's where the support wants to be uh, and I, and I think that that in itself having you know, a decent little stadium round there. Um, we'll we'll give them a lift. We'll we'll give Irish a lift uh, oh. that they won't have. You know where they, where they are. Oh, mate, I t- Brian, I totally agree with what you said. You're a smart guy, obviously, but what you just said there is a hundred percent on the money. You look at Exeter as well. You look at the stadium yesterday. You're hearing the tomahawk chop reverberate around the stadium. Yeah. You get London Irish back into sort of West London. Or you know, sort of southwest London, where the majority of their fan base has historically always been. Yeah. You've got everyone who's got an Irish connection, Gavin. I'm sure you can. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of people in London who've got that Irish connection. Yeah. You know, they all want to go out and and and, and yeah. watch. You know, London Irish play. I mean, obviously, I've spent a, a large part of my career. I've, I've, you know, I've been at Quinns, and it's something you're not aware of as a Harlequins person. You just sort of you're just worried about Harlequins. But when I went to London Irish, I sort of made made aware that. Lots of people after the ground move that would should really be supporting London Irish have ended up supporting Quinns because it's closer. Yes, uh, and that's the reality of sort of you know geography. So, you know, you get that bit done. You know, everything else. You know, all the other bits I think are sort of there. They get that bit done. I mean, oh, you know, it'd be it'd be it'd be fantastic. You know, and then you look at the sort of what Exeter have done, and it's possible to, to potentially emulate that. You know, and I mean, let's let's not forget Exeter. <laughs> they they got there by three points in the last. You know last three, four minutes of the game could have gone either way. So, you know, but they've had that sustained success and they've been knocking on the door after last year. So, you know, if, if you get all the, all the, it takes a lot of things, I think, to, to, to win yeah. a Prem. Um, and I think sort of, you know, if, if you look at all the different components, you know, a lot of it's timing potentially, you could argue as well, what's going on elsewhere at other clubs. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'd be fantastic to, to, to see that, that transformation happen again with a different club. Well, George, thanks very much because it'd be great to see Irish back because they're a great, they're a, they're a great uh, club and, and a great fans. Yeah, and fantastic people. Cheers, yeah, mate. Brilliant. Cheers, thanks. mate. Thanks, 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 George. Okay, it's now time to hear from another member of the team behind the team. In association with QBE Business Insurance, principal partner of the British and Irish Lions, supporting the team behind the team. So, as we build up to the British and Irish Lions Tour to New Zealand, we are going to be bringing you, and we have been bringing you, uh, the full story of those 
behind the scenes who make the tour possible. The team behind the team. This is supported by QBE Business Insurance. And this week we're hearing from uh, Rodri Bowne, the head analyst. And I began by asking about what his role entails. Basically, it's just working with the coaches and players on the tactical side of things going into the, into the matches. Um, so just making sure that they're as prepared tactically as, as possible um, for each, each match, basically. And how many people will you have working with you? Um, so there's a team of three of us uh, oh. on tour, um, and we'll we'll compartmentalise the uh, the the work um, to work in specific areas. Then does that that mean someone will take the opposition, or someone does that mean someone will take the breakdown, <coughs> someone will take the lineouts, or yes, or... yes, we'll we'll generally work with uh, with uh, with uh, have coaches assigned to us and, and as such um, oh. game areas. Now, uh, Warren Gatland uh, has talked about information overload. So how do you prioritise and package up the uh, vast amounts of information and data that you could get there so you're best prepared for each game? Um, yeah, it's, uh, there's obviously a, a, a lot of information available, but it, um, it's, it's about tailoring the approach to each player, really, and um, trying to get an understanding of what information they, they want and need prior to each game and just trying to make sure that um, they have as as much or as little as, as they feel is necessary to prepare them uh, for each game. Because I've always thought, I mean, some people will be nerdy and I would have been like this. I would have wanted everything. <laughs> and some people, like Dean Richards, you would not have got him to read them, even if they were useful. He just wouldn't have read them. I mean, he, so... Uh, is there a, is there a balance to be struck? If if a player says I just don't want anything, do you say or suggest to him that he might actually need to look at a few things or not? Um, yeah, I, again, it, it it comes down to um, sort of individual approaches, and and you, you do get a, a broad spectrum of um, sort of needs then um, going into a game and and. Um, and whilst we'll obviously respect uh, what sort of players feel feel is necessary for them to know, um, if if we feel that, that you know, there is a, a sort of nugget of information that they perhaps benefit from, then then we you know we will obviously try and try and uh, coax them around. Um, but but again, it, it's it's very much down to the individual. As, as long as that person feels that they're as prepared as possible yeah. going into a test match, we're not we're not not precious about. Uh, things too much then. well you I mean you've got three matches in you know seven day periods haven't you effectively that's what it is a turnaround so yeah um, can you talk us through a typical Lions week in, from your point of view um, yeah it's, I mean, it's, it's obviously a, a unique um, challenge uh, from, a, from a number of factors just not just from a rugby perspective but actually one of the most challenging uh, things on Lions tour is is the logistics of, of things like you say? There's, there's three games in a week, but quite often in in three three different ven- sort of test ven- or match venues that yeah. are quite far apart. Um, so um, it it is um, as much about sort of trying to get get information prepared and and making sure that that informa- information is is available while on the road as well. So typically, in, you know, after a match, we'd we'd stay up. Uh, late into the night, um, uh, and then on a, on a Lions tour, the, the 
the next day is generally um, a, a travel day, so yeah. we're, we're we're trying to sort of pack things up and. Um, but again, make sure that um, match footage is available both for the game that's just gone and for the, the games that are, that are ahead. Um, just making sure that, again, information is available to the players, whatever sort of time, day or night, they, they sort of uh, want to access things. Um, and how will you record so, that? Do you, do you put it on memory sticks or do you, or do you, do you do Wi-Fi uh, transfer or...? or? Um, yeah, a mixture really. Um, there's, um, there's, uh, we'll have laptops that will be available to the boys, um, sort of on the road. Then um, uh, there'll be a uh, there'll be stuff housed locally. Yes, at each at each sort of hotel, we'll have a, um, a, a team room where this uh, this info is um, is stored mainly. Um, and we'll also try and sort of make sure that again, if they if they want things that. There, um, there are things available remotely as well, mm-hmm. so they can they can access it whatever time of day. What about security? Um, <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, obviously, there's uh, you know historically there, there's been sort of uh, incidents in in world rugby, you know, just sort of doing world yeah. cups and things. And um, it's it's I guess it's a, uh, just a case of trying to be diligent and um, not leave sort of bits of paper lying around um uh, and ju- just sort of yeah yeah again just trying to be dis- discreet with information um and um yeah yeah just just trying to do that that um play, uh, players sort of players can access things but but perhaps uh, other members of yeah. Um, the touring party can't. Yeah. Then, you know? Give them advice on passwords. Then don't don't use a password. Password. Quite. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Quite. <laughs> you've you've known the challenges coming up. You've known the team that's coming up. Uh, how much work have you already done um, on this? Um, uh, so my my team and I would have uh, you know we'll we'll, we'll have been monitoring um, uh, the Super Rugby tournament as yeah. um, as it's gone on. Um, whilst obviously you know we, we, we're involved with uh, our various national teams as well, um, <clears throat> so I mean ever, ever since the, the sort of um, the, the roles were confirmed, really you know we'd have done bits in the background, whilst you know whilst obviously you can't do too much. Um, have you got individual individual or, or black breakdowns? Um, yeah, we'll we'll go through we'll go through sort of um, opposition players and mm-hmm. again just try and pick out little. Some little traits that may be of benefit, sort of, uh, to our guys, um, sort of, uh, on the field. Then you know, uh-huh. try and make it as as individually specific as possible. Because I've always wondered what, what's the balance between using the analysis to improve uh, alliance players' own performance against <clears throat> exploiting a weakness in the in the opposition. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I guess there's. Um, there's a, there's a, a balance in it, and I guess it comes down to the individual. You know, again, mm-hmm. players and coaches will 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 use the information differently, and it's about finding what what works best for that specific scenario and that that individual. Uh, you know, I've, can you talk us through how um, the players specifically would use, say, a piece of information you would provide, and and how you see them acting on it? Um. Yeah, I guess you know. I guess the obvious um, examples are around set piece. You know, so yeah. a, a prop may want to look at his his opposite number, um, just how he sets up. Are there particular props who've um, maybe given that 
drop a little bit of a rough ride and um, how we, you know, how they've gone about that. And mm. it's, um, I guess it's it's trying to find a blend between what what is a strength of um, our players versus uh, a weakness of an opposition. Yeah, because I mean, the, I I always found in the limited analysis that we used to do, and it is was very limited in relation to the amount that you do. You can get a feeling and you can get pointers from video, but actually being on the ground, being on the field and, 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 and playing against a person is the only way to actually find out. And sometimes when you look at things for, uh, from a, a video point of view, you've got to be very careful that you don't think that you solve something and you don't think it's the, you know, it is exactly the way it will be when you come uh, up against it in practice. Absolutely, and you know you've got to remember and give credit to the opposition that they're going to be going through a, a similar process yes. themselves. So, so quite often, you know, everything we, all the information that we do provide, sort of comes with a, a little sort of a, a warning that this, this, you know, as sure as as you are that that mm-hmm. picture is is what will unfold. You know, it, it's. There is always a likelihood that, that things might might change, yeah. um, and they might change during the game as well. You know, the, yeah. uh, what happens at the start of the game might not happen sort of uh, mid midway through the second half. Well, if players are bright and they realise they've been rumbled on something, then they Absolutely. change what they're doing, don't they? Yes, yeah, quite. <laughs> and, and it's it's a it's a bit of a game of chess, and and hopefully that um, you know all we're all we're trying to do is is just provide a little bit of an insight and maybe give the, the players a little bit of a head start um, sort of prior to the to the match that um, and things that they've looked at hopefully are the pictures that present themselves in the game but again you know players international players do have to have the capacity to to react and and respond to to things that may happen like I say sort of during a game well, thanks to uh, Rodri Brown for sharing his story and how he fits into the team behind the team. And also, thanks to QBE Business Insurance who support this podcast and the team behind the team, the British Lions. QBE are about building the strongest possible partnerships, one team and collaboration across multiple countries to give businesses the confidence to achieve their ambitions. Gav, the Lions tours come round every four years, and I know you're. What are you off your? Uh, tomorrow evening, Brian. Tomorrow yeah, evening. ten o'clock tomorrow night. It'll be up. Yeah, wheels um, up. Well, fortunately, I think you're not flying BA, so you might get there. <laughs> uh, the, the in any for a player, it's obvious what the thing is, but actually, just all you can hear all the team people in the team behind the teams, the journalists, and you know where. People are thrilled to go online to us, aren't they? They're special. Yeah, no, it, it's it's one of those things. Um, it's not unique in sport, but the, the the sense of a genuine coming together of nations yeah. is, and I mean, I can remember as a kid loving the Lions, watching you playing. It's that sense of the the player that you always wanted wish was on your side suddenly is in your side. Yes. You know, yeah. it's yeah. It, it's that wonderful sense of uh, of. You know, it's the best of the best, and, and a brilliant way. I don't know how they managed to get it from the from the go, but that sense of coming together yeah. and a one for all. Um, and I, part of it, actually, you know, is given this, you, you can have too much of a good thing. And I think the fact is that they've 
stuck to four years. There's no... Uh, the, 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 occasionally they've tried to shoehorn fixtures in here and there, which have not yeah. been very popular. Yeah. But the fact that it is just once every four years adds rather than subtracts from the uh, experience. Massively so. And I think it's so it's such a delicate flower in a sense the lions that you just don't you just don't want too many as, as minimize the changes because yeah. it in a professional era uh, you could make a strong argument to say this team should be playing three test matches uh you know they could go in, in two or three weeks time blah 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 the lions is what it is and it, it has changed a Dramatically from yes. when they used to play twenty six matches and well, uh, even from when I went, it's yeah. now significantly shorter. Yes, yeah, but it, it's kept. It's just managed to keep that identity. Yes. And and, and there, I think the two most important things are a for the host country to have a sense of a tour, yes. to have a sense of a team coming and playing across the country, and b lest we forget, it's the best of the best. But Warren Gatland has to blend a team together. Yes. And he needs matches to do that. Yes. Uh, you just could not, you know, unless it's a Barbarians game, you just cannot go, let's pick this, you know, these guys, how, how do we know what their strengths are? Yeah. You need you need to give players opportunities. You need yeah. some players, Jonathan Davies, he could suddenly go on a run, come into four, be in that test team. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things, uh, when you listen or you conduct, as indeed I have done, a series of interviews with the team behind the team, and you realise what sort of efforts being put in behind the scenes. Yeah. Never name the direct coaching and the playing uh, of this. You realise just how much effort is going in to try and get this right. And the fact is no one knows whether it will go right or not. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, everyone is trying to give everyone the best possible chance, and you have the delicious prospect always of the aggregate... Uh, and the sum of the players being greater than the parts, but it doesn't always work like yeah, that. And I think that was one of the big reasons why the Lions went with Warren Gatland again. Yeah. And if you look at the consistency, Ian McGeekin, Sir Ian McGeekin, he has been sort of a constant through as a player and a, and a coach. Yeah. Gatland won the series, a historic series win four years ago. Um, in that sense, the Lions board felt this is a guy who can do it and yes. can bolt the team together in a very short space of time. And um, as you say, but we just don't know. We just don't know how players react. The, 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 the Lions coaching team try and bring characters. Yeah. Uh, they look at how players have played away from the comfort of home. And I think probably that's... Well, I was at a dinner and uh, I was on stage with Warren Gatland, among others, on a Q&A. Uh, and I was quite flattered, actually, because I'd been uh, sounding off about various things, but including this part, and I said, I am quite sure that the Lions management have looked at these players individually as characters yeah. outside rugby yeah. to make sure that they have at least a possibility of them blending. Yeah. And I didn't go on and say there are, you know, well, the New Zealand rule, which is no some things, or the England rule, which is no some things and even... More of a swear word. Um, but Warren answered next and he said, yeah, absolutely, 100%. They've yeah. looked at the players yeah. for that sort of thing. So if you're a player who, you know, is frankly, you know, has character defects off the field, then that, that is taken into account because they do not want uh, they do not want players who are disruptive. They don't want selfish people there. Absolutely. And then we talk about the uniqueness of the Lions squad. Yeah. You have to be a character. You have to be able to... 
A, blending with somebody you may not know who's been a fierce rival yeah. on a club or international stage. You have to deal with all the pressures that there will be in New Zealand. Yeah. And C, you have to deal with the disappointment of being potentially first choice or even a superstar for your country yep. and being told you're not making the test team. Absolutely. And there's certainly some players who were there in 2013 who are not here because of that reason. Yes, uh, which might surprise some people, but, but that, that, is the, that is the case. And when you're looking at the challenge ahead, um, I would say it's not cooperation, it might be collusion, but there's nothing wrong uh, with that. The relationship between the all-black management and the uh, head coaches and directors of their um, super uh, rugby franchises is so close yeah. that I am, I am absolutely certain without being able to prove it at all, but I am certain <laughs> that they will be examined in, in ways like this. They will have said to you know each particular team, we'd like to see what the Lions are like yeah. uh, under this sort of kidding strategy. Yeah. Or, we'll, or, we'll, or when the people pick and drive or how they drive from lineouts. And I'm, I'm sure if you look at the pattern of the games and analyse them, all the games pre will be probing certain areas so that the old black management can find out what the combinations and what each player looks like and how they perform, you know, to specifics and that level of planning, you know, I am absolutely certain oh. will be will be there, which just demonstrates how hard a prospect it is, you know, notwithstanding the fact that they've got, you know, the best team in the world. And uh, well, Brian, I completely agree. As soon as they land on Wednesday afternoon in Auckland, they are. They are playing the country in its whole yes. in every in every concept, and I think we will see next Saturday. Starting will be the first challenge. Will be a physical one. They won't be playing the most talented team, but I'm pretty certain the New Zealand Barbarians will be looking to see. Let's just see how tough these guys are, yeah. and uh, that's your first welcome to New Zealand. And from then on, I think you're absolutely right. They will be looking at looking at units, looking at let's see how they're going to play yeah. in the background. The All Blacks can watch their opponents be, you know, that the 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 tour, the the travel difficulties, dealing with new environment, different players. The All Blacks can sit in the background and go, "This is how they're playing this ring." And the the the, the wonderful intrigue from the Lions' perspective is how much does Gatland and his coaching team yeah. keep back and yeah. say, "Do you know what?" Because that's We're fascinating. Because everyone's trying to work out what the test team is yep. from the midweek and Saturday teams and thinking, "Well, he's going to play." So that means if he's together with him in that unit, that means that's probably a front row. <laughs> uh, and and it's a fact. You know, I just I can't I, look. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm, I'm unfortunately I can't go down there. But, yeah. Yeah. but I, and I'm very jealous that you're going down there. Um, it it can't come soon enough for me. And unfortunately, that's all we've got time for um, this this week. We've you've been listening to Brian Moore's full contact in association with the Telegraph and QB Business Insurance. My thanks to my lucky. <laughs> course, who's going to New Zealand tomorrow night, Gavin Mayers, for joining me in the studio. And to our producer, Abby Patterson, who's very happy because she's actually the Chief and Arsenal fan, so she got a very unlikely double. Well, well, half it was unlikely. Um, and there was handball the first goal anyway. Remember, <laughs> you can get in contact with us throughout the week via the hashtag FullContact, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and to leave us a review. Good night and bring on the Lions. Mom. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 